This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. We were joined by Montessori ambassador, author and former principal Gavin McCormack joining us as we talk about prepping kids for tomorrow. What can they do in school? But most importantly, what can we be doing as parents to best support them in their future? Talking travel with Donata and starting a bit of an animal theme for some nature-inspired adventures. We were joined live in the studio by Lime, the one-year-old sloth. Talking sloth encounters and some new additions at the Green Planet. And joining us from Vets and Pets Clinic for our Pets and Vets show was Dr Vito, talking about their approach for fear-free animal handling. What do they do in the clinic to really make a difference? The stress and anxiety levels of your furry friends. Plus, we were answering your questions too. Parents, how can we prepare our children for the future when every single day has the capacity to be different from the day before? Every tomorrow has the probability of being very different and all parents hope that their child be prepared through education, through home life, be ready to enter a world. But is that actually possible? We're live now with Gavin McCormack, the co-founder of UpSchool. He's an author who's nominated for Australian Principal of the Year. He's a TEDx speaker. Don't be fooled, though. He's from Sheffield. Gavin, great to have you with us. How are you, sir? I am good. Thanks for having me. Yes, it feels embarrassing to hear you say those oh, things, but thank you. stop it. I'm already worried about us running out of time because I feel like you are such a brilliant brain on... With, I, in my mind, I think of teachers, I think of educators, and I feel like you are a brilliant example of, of the latter, of someone who is so fired up about wanting to do well for children and choice and how things could be different. But before we get to some of the ways that you think us as parents can really be powerful and affect change in our children's lives. Tell us a little bit about UpSchool, what it's all about, because it's it's all about what you say, kind of change through purposeful education. But what does that mean and what does it actually um, So, us? thank you. I, I'm a Montessori teacher, uh, basically. And Montessori is all about uh, asking a fundamental question of the child when it comes to the success of the lesson you have just taught. So a child brings you a piece of work. It's a poster, it's a letter, it's a diagram, it, anything. The question we ask the child when they say, do you like my work? Is this successful? Is this good enough? Is this? I like it. What are you going to do with it to make the world a little bit better? And the child says, I'm going to take it down to kindergarten and teach them about snails. And then you say, that's achieved a goal. Or the child says, I've written a letter to a local politician asking for some land. I'm going to plant a forest because I actually would like some shade and attract some animals to this community, which is very big work. Now, that is also successful, and both of them are equally as successful. They both made the world a little bit better. So I was running a school as a school principal, and this was something that ran like a river under the school. But I only had 200 children. And so I took a leap of faith, and I left my job, uh, which was scary. Um, But I wanted to follow in the advice I'd given the children. I told them, if you find something good then you go for it mm-hmm. and you give it a try. Mistakes, you know, uh, just around the corner, but you'll learn from them. So I opened up school and UpSchool basically is a platform available to parents and schools. It's completely free. You don't have to pay one single cent. And what it does, it allows parents at home, schools, teachers to engage in these courses. These courses are in line with the curriculum, but they're extremely purposeful and meaningful. So we've got thousands of children all over the world enrolled for free, taking on our courses in their schools, in their classrooms, private, public, homeschooling mums, doesn't matter where you're coming from. And the results that are coming in the door are these anecdotal stories of children planting forests, teaching other children, going to other schools, you know, saving animals, all this amazing stuff. But it's also teaching them about the academics. It's using academics and then adding that twist of what are you going to do to make the world a little bit better? And we need that now. We do. I think for many parents, myself included, is I feel this need to want to do something different to the education system I went through. But it's such a risk. <laughs> you know, I think some of go, OK, well, that's historically been the case that we do these exams, we get on this path and tick, tick, tick. And to, to veer off that path feels radical for one. There are some schools here and of course internationally and through platforms such as yourself who are really there to challenge us and hold our hand and be that source of inspiration. But 
I think many of us, regardless of our ambitions, will most likely enrol our children in a pretty traditional education model, which then means it can fall to us at home to do things perhaps a little bit differently, to prepare our children in ways that we might think of or might be surprised by. You had an interesting stat off air about the time our children spend. Can you expand on that for us? Of course I can. Um, So quite often we send our children to school and we take them there and we say, off you go, little Tommy. This is where you get educated. And when you come out and there's no education, it stops. Uh, That's not the case. All education is, uh, it's a holistic approach. It happens all day, every day, in every situation. And the fact and the statistic is quite interesting. An average child in anywhere in the world will spend 140 hours per month at school and 540 at home. So the greatest influence is actually what happens in the home life. Now, many of the parents that you talk to say, well, I'm not a teacher. How do I, how do I actually teach? I can't <laughs> as, teach this as, stuff. As distance learning, yeah. to put a massive spotlight on the failings of me at home as a teacher. <laughs> but it's not about the academic teaching necessarily. Surely it's to do with our behaviours as well. Of course it is. The things that count cannot be counted. Very famous quote. And so all we need to do as adults, and we need to realise all the time that our children are so astute. They are watching like a hawk. What you are, they will become. What we need to do is have awareness around what matters. What are these essential skills? Love, empathy, compassion, understanding, negotiation, time management, communication. All these things are crucial. You can't teach them. It's impossible to teach confidence. Now you're confident, off you go, you can't do it. But you can demonstrate to your child that as an adult, you were faced with a hurdle and you went head on and tackled it and you overcame it. And your child says in their mind, wow, I'm going to try new things. And if I fail, it's okay. My dad had a go. I'm going to follow in his or her footsteps, depending if it's your mum. We just need to be the change, model the behaviour we wish to view in our children. Joining me in the studio now is the author of The Potential in Every Child, Gavin McCormick. Is there. He's an ambassador for the Montessori Method. He is also the co-founder of a platform called UpSchool, which offers free courses, workshops for families who homeschool, for schools themselves, for schools in developing countries, all for free. And we're talking about preparing your child for the future. You mentioned earlier about the amount of time a child spends at home versus in school, Gavin. The message here is saying statistically the child may have more hours at home, but a lot of those hours are sleeping hours. So the more productive hours are often at school, question mark? Look, interesting question and a good one. Uh, the reality being behind that is that going to bed and waking up are also you know, modes of learning. There's no question about that. And yes, they're asleep for eight hours when they go to bed, but you still got the whole weekend. You still got all the holidays. And the the uh, understanding and the research shows you that parents are way more influential on how their children behave. You have way more sway. Mm-hmm. So it, actually, I'm not trying to put the ownership on the parents here, but when we understand our influence over our children and our behavior is reflected in their behavior and what we are, they will become, then we can literally change their trajectory. There's no question about that. If you could wave a magic wand and change or adjust or introduce something into every home in the world in order to better support our children for the future. What would you like to see? Um, Are you talking about a material object or a philosophy? Anything. I'd love this to happen. I'd love us to stop looking at the success of our children to do with how they are compared to the people in their class. I'd love that to end. I think the fundamental change we need to make in schools, education systems all around the world is to understand that success is actually when our children have the confidence to try something new and the resilience to try again, even though they failed. That's really important. There's no question about that. When we start to look at values and essential skills as success, we start to look at the whole child. And I think if I could wave a magic wand over at schools and homes, I'd definitely make sure that that was a thing. It's a massive shift because this is what you know, education system is built on. It's grades. Yes, I'd love to say, you know, you've built um, XYZ on you last month. But, you know, what's a face next? You got this. And we're a school that's all about grades because we want that outstanding ranking so we can charge more because, you know, let's get no getting away from it. Many schools operating as a business here. And a question here, which I think is a really interesting one from Elena, saying we are new parents to a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Are we right to be worried that the current curriculum and exam system is not preparing children for the world in which they live? 100% you are right to be worried. And I'll say this as an ex-school principal of a very influential and popular school in Sydney, on top of a mountain overlooking the ocean, like a beautiful. 
um, parents have the say. Parents are the ones who vote with their feet. If you unenroll your children, the school loses that funding and loses those fees, and they don't want that to happen. So what parents need to understand is what do they want out of this system and what do they want for their children for the future? And I think it's absolutely fundamental that we try to reassess what success looks like for our children. What do we actually want for them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing we need to make sure our children experience, and schools can offer this, but parents need to knock on the principal's door and say, hello, I'd like to see this. Is I'd like Parents need to understand that the fact is that our children, when they make real, tangible, meaningful change in the world through education, you wrote a letter at school, 100% you did this, and a lot of your listeners will have done this too. You learn persuasive devices, and you write a persuasive letter. It's in every curriculum on the planet and here in Dubai, definitely. And what happens is we learn etymology, we learn persuasive languages, we learn uh, syntax, sentence structure, all this stuff. And the teacher says, now we're going to write a letter. And the kids go, oh my goodness, we're going to do something real. And you write to the principal about changing the uniform or getting a longer playtime. Mm-hmm. Principal doesn't read it, nothing happens. The child says, I did all that work, and I'm still wearing this uniform. The twist the change we need to make is this. We're going to write, we're going to learn all those things and you're going to write a letter. Here are 17 SDGs for the world by the United Nations. Pick one that matters to you and write a letter to somebody that's real in the world that can help you achieve it. Then the children write a real letter. And it's really, really powerful. Just to, It's the tiniest twist. You don't have to throw the curriculum out the window, but it matters to the children. It makes learning real. Tell us about your book. This is about Montessori at home. And I think a lot of people feel like it's a Montessori for other people or we're a Montessori family. And if you don't send your child to a Montessori nursery or school, then you've made that choice to not step into that world. That's right. But Montessori at home, I think, sounds like something a lot of people could actually benefit from if it's demystified a little bit. Are you able to tell us, because it's looking at kids aged zero to seven, what are some of the things that could be incorporated at home by everyone listening today to best prepare their children? Okay, cool. Amazing. Uh, Two things, just to quickly clarify. Uh, Montessori was designed for the poorest of the poor. She Montessori designed it in the uh, slums of Milan in Italy for people who are living on the street. It's become an elitist. It's become for the rich because the materials are very expensive to buy. Um, and uh, she wanted children to learn how to live in this world and how to just use the things around them. So the first thing is to say you don't need all the expensive bells and whistles in your house to pull it off. You can do it just by small um, changes in the way that you live. Uh, I wrote the book because I was sitting in my office for five years talking to parents coming in saying, Gavin, I have this problem with my child, and and as a Montessori-trained teacher myself, I was giving all this advice to all these parents. I don't have children. I only have a cat. And I was thinking, these are really golden nuggets that I've learned on my training. I'm going to write these down. So I started writing them down until I had 100. And I put them into a book called A Potential in Every Child. And um, I'll give you an example of one, the perfect one. Allowing your child to pack their own bag for school may seem like a really onerous and really long job to do because, oh my goodness, what if they forget their sun cream or their hat or their lunch? You do it once. You pack your bag and say, I'm packing my bag for work. You pack your bag for school. What are you doing tomorrow at school? I've got sport. I've got pee. I need my hat. I need my shoes. Pack your bag and I'm going to get, I need my laptop. I need my so-and-so. Pack them together. The next morning you go to school. They carry their own bag to school. They're in class and they forgot their hat. They can't play. Now, if you pack the bag, there's a tantrum because the child in their mind is blaming you. I'm missing playtime. It's mum's fault. Tantrum. Let them pack their own bag. And teacher says, you can't play. You forgot your hat. In the child's mind, I forgot my hat. I forgot it. I tell you one thing that will happen. No tantrum. Number one, be upset. No tantrum, though, because no one to blame apart themselves. Number two, they won't forget their hat again. And that is like going through a speed camera. You only do it once. <laughs> I just got a fine this morning, Gavin. Your timing couldn't be better. <laughs> Thank you Sorry. so, so much. I need to get hold of this book because when I've spoken to Montessori experts in the past, I have taken some of their lessons and they have made a huge difference in our home from having, you know, a jug of water that my five-year-old can pour from, you know, where yeah. I'm not being asked, mummy, can I have water? You know, having that ownership over something so fundamental. That's right. Is, it has made a huge, huge difference. And I think there are some very, very manageable, realistic ways that all parents can benefit. We don't need to label it as Montessori if that's something that people have an issue with. It can just be practical positive steps for your child. It's important that you say that because I haven't named it Montessori the book uh, to make it accessible to everyone so they can take it on. But yes, uh, it's, uh, I'm very proud of this book. So yes. And lastly, if people do want to hear more from you, I want to hear lots more from you. What's the best way of seeing you tomorrow? Um, well, tomorrow I'll be talking at the guest conference down at the World Trade Centre and I'll be doing a talk called It Takes a Child to Raise a Village, which is a twist on Love It Takes it. a Village to Raise a Child because I believe that 
we have a lot to learn from the youngest citizens in our community. Um, you can sign up at guessdubai.com. That's G-E-S-S Dubai.com. And anyone wants to check out Upschool, um, what's the best way of finding you online? Just come along to upschool.co where you will find me. And I'll tell you a little treat very quickly before I go. We've just launched a course live from the North Pole. I flew to the North Pole and taught <laughs> lessons in front of polar bears, glaciers, walruses. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm getting over there immediately. Thank you so much. I know you're not in Dubai on a full-time basis, but we'll absolutely catch up with you through the power of video chat. Um, I think you've got some incredible insights. We'd love to pick your brains further. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much. Talking travel, taking your questions, giving you some ideas and inspiration. Um, Joining us live in the studio is Nathan Taylor. Product manager at Donata Travel. Think of him as being your personal travel concierge. You've already had many a question asking about hotels for under sixes. Marjan's asking about Sri Lanka. So if you've got a destination in mind, a budget, a criteria, this is your chance to get some ideas and insights. Nathan, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. We were just chatting off air. It was my husband and I's joint 40th (laughs) presents to each other this weekend. We had it booked since July. It's one of those rare moments where I'm jealous of your holidays. Why do you think yeah. I'm talking about it? Um, we went to Six Senses Ziggy Bay. It has been on my Dubai bucket list since I lived here. As I said, we've had it booked. And guess what happened last week? The kids got sick. I was like, listen, I need you to get better so I can leave you behind. You're okay? not ruining this you're, for me. You're not, you're not taking this away from me. But what it kind of brought home to me was, well, I mean, my goodness, the quality of service that you know, we get used to in Dubai is just insane. But this was next level. Yeah. You had staff from all over the world. You know, we had a Swiss restaurant manager, you know, Malaysian, Nigerian, Omani. And it just felt, it just, it was magical. What was your favourite part about Six Senses Ziggy Bay? I loved paragliding in. Ooh. Yes, you arrive, you can drive down the mountain or you can paraglide in. My husband took the car (laughs) and I met him on the beach. Go to my Instagram on on my reels. Um, You can see that. You see me running off the edge of a cliff and then just the view from the... It's amazing. Food was gorgeous. Not going to lie. It's not the the budget break, Mm -hmm. but for a real once in a lifetime, it was was just gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. It looked incredible, honestly. You need to get there. I'm very, Do you very, know what very it made jealous. me think of, though? Are you watching White Lotus? Yes. It made me think they need to film the next White Lotus there. <laughs> Ziggy Bay. <laughs> Ziggy Bay. I was like, but, but without any kind of darkness or, yeah. or, or murder. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of uber luxe. We wore mm. shoes once, wore shoes for dinner, and the rest of the time, it's like the absolute definition of barefoot luxury. <laughs> it was stunning. Anyway, I'm obviously delighted to be back. <laughs> so yeah, lots, lots to, lots to recommend. Where's Ziggy next? Bay. Next, well, we're making up to the kids. We're going to go to Centara, which is Amazing. at uh, Dira um, Palm Island. So mm-hmm. this is the one where it's got lazy river. It's got like constant movies and magicians rolling magicians around, yeah, and roaming magicians yeah. and all sorts. What about you? Well, we've got. A quick trip away to Paris for Ooh, National la, la. Day, yeah, just a couple of days over there, and then uh, and then we've got Norway at the end of the year, which I keep talking about because I'm very very excited. Yeah. For. Well, I found out that my my I've told you my husband's going to Norway mm. by himself <laughs> to go husky sledding in April, and I found out recently that my dad is also going to be in Norway by himself at the same time, and then I had that moment of going, I have married my dad. <laughs> Because it'll be 50 years since my dad moved to Norway. So he's going back wow. and having like a little trip down memory lane. He's going to the village that he worked in. He's, he's tracked down the son of the guy that he was in the choir with at church. So, yeah. Amazing. And they're going to do a fjord tour together. My, oh, dad, wow. my dad and my husband. Okay. Um, let's, let's squeeze in a, in a message, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, we have, as I said, going to be talking about some festive breaks, um, some nature travel as well, because we're going to be joined by a sloth after half past three. <laughs> Marjan saying, how is travelling to Sri Lanka looking like right now? Been looking to travel there for many months. However, I had to cancel the plans after turmoil. Any tips or advice? What is the latest, Nathan? Yeah, look, in terms of Sri Lanka, things are getting back to normal, which is really good Good to know. And obviously their main source of, of income is tourism. Of so tea, tea and tourism. Absolutely. So look, I highly recommend it. Um, I was in Sri Lanka earlier this year, just before all the, uh, all the issues started. So could not recommend it more highly. Um, but like anything... 
please make sure you're checking the advice, making sure you're not going anywhere that you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's uh, it's good to go and it's it's just such a beautiful, beautiful destination. And as, as you say, it's such an important part of yeah. the... The, the way of life there, so, you know, supporting communities and, and industries. Where did you go when you were there earlier this year? We we did a lot of places, um, but our highlight was definitely Yala National Park, which is right down the south. Um, it was phenomenal. So we were out leopard hunting and sloth bears. You should and all just that say not actually hunting. Not hunting. Not sorry, sorry, sorry. With my camera, I just don't shooting want you to with get my camera. No, 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 no. Take only pictures. <laughs> yes. Um, so no, it, and it was it was stunning. We stayed at um, Wild Coast, which is a, a Relay and Chateau property. It was. Unlike anything I've stayed in before, similar to what you were saying about Six Senses yeah, at Bay, ruined you forever. Yeah, it's like uh, glamping style uh, pods they call them, but they're they're tents. You've got your own pool and right on the water um, near the beach, and then you're about a ten minute drive into the national park. So it was the best of both worlds for me. It was just superb. Um, a message is saying, I absolutely loved my trip to Sri Lanka a few years ago. Want to try another country with similar vibes, especially the hill stations. Can you recommend? Ooh. I love the we, When we went for my honeymoon slash baby moon, don't ask any more questions about that. Um, <laughs> and we went to the tea plantations and stayed in these kind of series of bungalows. Mm-hmm. And it's just the green. Oh yeah. my goodness, the green. What comes to mind in terms of comparisons for that feel? You haven't prepared me for this one, so this know, is very this much is off li- the cuff. This is totally, it came in a minute right. ago. That's what I'm here for. Um, for me, it would be um, the rainforests in the north of Bali um, springs to my mind. So up around Ubud, um, there's some incredible places to stay, um, particularly near the river. So the Ayong River kind of runs all the way through the mountains up there in Ubud. And it's all those terraced rice paddies. So again, very green, very lush, um, lots of nature reserves, lots of yoga retreats. Like th- that type of vibe is what, what you get from up there in Bali. And it's it's beautiful. Nathan Taylor is in the studio from Donata Travel. Pretty excited about the sloth, Nathan. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even quite sure what I'm going to do with myself if it gets close. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. The entire the entire studio just everyone's like lost its mind. It's sloth, yeah. it's sloth. So we will be live on Facebook after half past three, so you can get a bit of that. But let's let's take you on some nature inspired travel, um, Nathan. Some of the best places to go for. I would guess a bit of seeing seeing some wildlife, city and out of city. Where are some of your favourites? Oh, well, I mean, we've got so many options here, so close to home. Um, you mentioned Sabenias before. It's way up there. And if, if people haven't heard of Sabenias or they haven't been, then it's it should definitely be on every nature lover's list. It's incredible. Um, really, really, really beautiful. There's been so much conservation and mm. ecological work done on that island. So yeah. it's about free roaming animals mm-hmm. you yeah. know I saw, I saw giraffes when i was there but also yeah. in the water as well yep there's leopards there's flamingos um it's it's crazy yeah it's so 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 beautiful and where you get to stay um the anantara so there's multiple uh, resorts by anantara on the islands i think there's three in total um and they all offer something very different different budget levels um different types of experiences but you can really just be out there with with the wildlife, just staying in a, in a tent. It's incredible. And they've also, of course, got these kind of wildlife safaris in these specially designed vehicles. Definitely. So you can see those giraffes, the gazelles, the cheetahs, the, mm-hmm. the hyenas as well. Um, one of, and it's funny, when we think about wildlife, my kids love the Hatter Fort Hotel, mm. J.A. Hatter Fort Hotel, because yeah. when I think about being family friendly, they in the morning like you know let's get let's get up and feed the deer. Let's go and see the peacocks. Let you know let's go and see the bunnies. And you know it's it is a really it's a really really fab one. So that would be kind of one of my picks. But also for getting out for a good like a you know a family hike. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's fab out there. It's so nice. Are there any deals to be had? Yes, of course. So we'll start with uh, the Desert Island Resort by and Spa by Anantara on Sabenias Island. We've got uh, a night there in a deluxe sea view room. Um, of course, it's five star. You get breakfast every day. It's seven hundred and twenty five dirhams per person. Wow, which is beautiful. It really, yeah. it really, really is. And um, Hatta. And Hatta, we've got a deluxe mountain view room there with breakfast, seven hundred and sixty five per person. There you go. This is all on DonataTravel.com. Sure is. What about outside? of the UAE, where can we go to, to, I guess, tap into a bit of wildlife? Yeah, look, I I think I've spoken about Singapore before, um, but it's one of those cities that, it's like Dubai, it gives you so many things in one place. Um, and one of, the, one of the coolest things about Singapore is 
you may not think of it as a wildlife destination necessarily. It's a big city, lots of lights, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it is really, really, really incredible to go to if you're a nature lover. One of the best things I've ever done uh, when it comes to nature is the night zoo. Um, so they take you around this I mean, it sh- I shouldn't call it a zoo. Um, it's a huge animal enclosure, but it's at nighttime. All the lights are off and all you can see is the eyes of all of the animals looking at you through your uh, through the vehicle. So it's incredible. I'm glad you said vehicle. Are there bats? <laughs> oh, uh, probably. Yes, there, yes, there are bats. Yeah, of course. And what about deals for Singapore? And in terms of... New National Day is only a couple of weeks away. Yep. Uh, is, is any availability? Yeah, of course, of course. One of the one of my favourite hotels. It's right, I guess, really perfect for everybody. Is the Furama Riverfront? Um, great location. It's a four star, so it's not too crazy on the budget. Um, we've got three nights there, breakfast every day, um, and return economy class flights. Four thousand eight hundred and ten dirhams Ooh, per person. Yeah. Wow! All okay. the way to Singapore. talking travel on the show this afternoon. Nathan Taylor, product manager at Donata Travel, is live in the studio and you've got some festive markets for us. Sure do. Tell us, where are we starting? Well, I mean, it's such a beautiful time of year to go and see these places and all the cities that we're going to be talking about are sublime. They're just beautiful. Um, So we've got the likes of Prague, Munich, Vienna, Budapest. Budapest is somewhere that I really need to talk about. Um, Probably one of my favourite cities in Europe. So beautiful. Um, Never been. Haven't been to any of the places you've just mentioned. You haven't? Really? No, I haven't. I feel terrible. Goodness me. I know. Budapest definitely needs to be on everybody's list. It's relatively close. Um, It's very, very, very budget friendly. Um, But it doesn't mean that you're uh, sacrificing inequality. Um, it is so beautiful. The Danube runs through, so that's separating the two sides of the city, Buddha and Pest. Um, but it is just so, so, so beautiful. Um, I really can't what, tell you how beautiful it is, especially Christmas, at nighttime. What's the, what's the Christmas market situation, Nathan? Yeah, it's great. It's great. Of course it's great. Um, <laughs> the, the markets are incredible. It's snowing most of the time, so it's beautiful, like, White Christmas, you know, all the lights are up, so the city illuminates at nighttime as well. It's just gorgeous. Um, so in terms of the Christmas markets, um, I believe they are the largest uh, on the river. So of anywhere um, through the Danube, Budapest really puts on the biggest show. Um, but it is is just fantastic. And we've got an offer there, stay three nights at the five-star Matilde Palace, which is a luxury collection hotel in Budapest, in a deluxe room with daily breakfast, uh, complimentary restaurant voucher worth 50 euros, 25% off uh, spa treatments and return economy class flights. (sighs) Breathe. Uh, 4,855 dirhams per person for this Christmas. For this Christmas? Sure is. All right. Okay, so that's Budapest. That's, so we've got Hungary. You've also got some offers for Vienna around the same price point. Yes. Also Munich. Yeah. And Prague. Prague as well. Prague I spoke about last time. We had uh, our gentleman caller calling about Prague. We so did. I'll talk about this again. Um, but Prague for the uh, for the festive markets is, again, really, really, really beautiful. And all around Wensler Square is just, uh, it's almost like a picture book anyway. It's very... Um, What's the word? That bohemian style, mm-hmm. um, the cobblestone streets, the astronomical clock. It is really, really, really incredible when you're there for Christmas. Um, but we've got our offer, three nights, five-star Corinthia Hotel in Prague, a superior room there with deluxe, uh, with daily breakfast, sorry, return economy flights. It's 3,095 dirhams per person. Crikey. Yeah. That's very good. Prague's excellent. Right. Nathan, to the text line, a message here saying, travel question, please. Yes. Um, are there any packages from Goa um, by car? Is it safe by road? We're going to be visiting Goa for a wedding and would like to check out the neighbouring cities. Yeah. So, look, with with India, I would highly recommend getting a driver. I wouldn't drive yourself. Um, it's easy enough to get one and it's definitely the safest way, um, without question. In terms of around that area, now I know you've been uh, to Goa. Um, I have. I've, I went, not, I've not been that I went side. On, I went on a, a health retreat that was one of the most challenging experiences of my life, emotionally and physically. <laughs> Don't do that, Rosanna. Enjoy the wedding. Save yourself. Um, but India has so many different places to offer. I would really recommend uh, jumping on a quick flight and flying down to Kerala um, and doing the back orders. Kerala. It's It's, so beautiful. It's really beautiful. Food's amazing. And getting a houseboat on the water there is is excellent. Um, It really is so much fun. So that would be one thing I would really recommend. And then if you haven't been to India and you're in Goa, then get to Rajasthan. Go and see actual, you know, 
that that super iconic um, part of India, which is culture. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. A message from Greg here saying, "Hi both, we have our daughter, son-in-law, and two grandsons coming over for Christmas from Australia. We'd like to surprise them with an overnight stay. Would welcome any suggestions for hotels that are particularly good for under sixes." Greg. You are speaking to the right woman. Um, It's funny, isn't it, how a lot of kind of places do build themselves as being very family friendly. But I feel like in Dubai, that is that rings true for so, so many hotels. Now, as I said earlier, we're going to the Centara this weekend. So I will report back on this. But this looks like what might be one of the most family friendly hotels in the in the region, it has got Lazy River. It has got a, a candy themed spa for children, mm-hmm. magicians and movies and buffets. The rooms have bunk beds, so I think that that could be a really really good one. Anything else that comes to mind, Nathan, for you from your side? Um, well, it's hard to go past uh, the iconic Atlantis. Um, and as far as activities go for kids, it's it really is second to none. Um, having uh, you know Aquaventure right there, the Lost Chambers uh, Aquarium, it is it's a reason why it's one of the most famous hotels in in Dubai. But I agree with you. I think the Centara Mirage is incredible. Um, it's one of the most popular hotels that we have for families at Tanata Travel, um, and it's been really popular all the way through the year, um, all through the summer, um, now obviously coming into what is unquestionably the most perfect time of the year here in Dubai. Um, we've got a family room there um, with two double beds, uh, breakfast every day. It's 415 dirhams per person. That's very good. It's very, very, very good. Greg, they don't even know need to know how much you're paying. Yeah, exactly. Just, just wow them with the lazy river. And they're Aussies. They'll be easily impressed. <laughs> I can say that. I can say that. Right, we've got time for just a couple more. Um, With the National Day break around the corner, wondering if we can squeeze in a couple of beach escapes. Have you got anything on your list there, Nathan? Absolutely. Um, We spoke about Bali before talking about Ubud, but uh, I think Bali is so beautiful for its beaches. Um, I have to say that as an Australian, uh, otherwise I have to give up my passport. (laughs) But um, no, one of the areas I really love is Nusa Dua. Um, It's a perfect combination of those typical Balinese beaches without the typical Australian crowds. Um, so it's perfect for, for going in and checking out what is unquestionably one of the most beautiful islands in, uh, in Asia. So look, we've got a deal there. Three nights uh, at the five-star Nusadua Beach Hotel and Spa in a premier room with daily breakfast, 40% off your stay, a complimentary room upgrade and return economy class flights. It is 4,875 dirhams per person. So this is available over the UA National Day break, Absolutely. she said with suspicion in she her did, voice. with a raised eyebrow. It, yes, it is. Yeah, if I, Promise. if I was able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and let's squeeze in some Seychelles as well. Yeah, of course. Um, look, I think we both love the Seychelles so much. Um, such a beautiful island off the coast of Africa. Um, our offer there for National Day, we've got three nights at the five-star Doubletree by Hilton Seychelles Alamando Resort and Spa, deluxe ocean view room, daily breakfast, 15% off your stay, Return economy class flights, it's 5,895 dirhams. A couple of messages going, where can we find these deals? It is denartravel.com. Nathan, there's a sloth just outside the studio. Everyone's taking photos of it. It's literally right outside. I can't can't (laughs) wait either. There is a good reason why we're going to have a fairy friend in the studio just after (laughs) half past. Um, There are some brand new additions to the Green Planet. We'll be finding out more. Nathan, for anyone that uh, is wanting specific deals, by all means, you can drop me a little line on 400 and I can send you the links. But for everything we've been talking about this afternoon, from festive markets to exploring the night zoo at Singapore, uh, Sabanias Island, Jay Hatterfor Hotel and more, it's donatotravel.com. Wishing you a lovely, lovely week ahead. Take care of yourself, sir. I'm going to go pet a sloth. (laughs) I'm jealous. Not a sentence I ever thought I would utter, but there is a sloth in the studio. I am so delighted to welcome from Green Planet, Sarah Stevens, the head of operations and the curator and a very gorgeous furry friend. Sarah, who have you brought with you this afternoon? Hello, good afternoon. I have the little member of the Green Planet family. I have little Lime, one of our two-toed sloths, and the first to be born here in the UAE. I remember Lime when she was just about a handful of fur, and my goodness, she's grown. If you want to see what's happening in the studio, you can go to our Facebook Live and see what's happening. So how old is she now, Sarah? She is now over a year old. Her birthday was October 16th, and she is here now to talk about her sloth family expanding with two new members of the Green Planet family. Two two more girls. Two more girls. 
Do they have names yet? They do. So we asked um, all the people of the UAE to vote and to help us out because, of course, we have little Lime, her mom, Lemon, her dad, Liam. I feel and, a theme coming on. Yes, yes. And now we have the two newest Sloth sisters to join the Green Planet family, the only place in Dubai you can see Sloths. Do you want to know what their names yes, are? Yes, desperately. So their names are Luna and Lychee. So can I ask about sloth integration? Because this is, you know, they've there's a family there. You've, Absolutely. You've, you've got your unit of three and then two coming in. How does it work with introducing them? Sure. So sloths are pretty solitary animals. They don't really stay with their moms for too long and kind of go off and do their own thing. Though Lime is a bit of an exception. She likes to still catch a ride from her mom, Lemon, every now and then. She's just a bit extra lazy. But when the new and Luna and Lychee arrived, our team of experienced expert biologists um, did, made sure that their medical needs were met first and then, of course, started the slow introduction process to make sure they felt comfortable in their new home. And who wouldn't love being part of Dubai's only rainforest, our indoor biodome? It is one of the most special places in the city. It really, Thank really you. is. And we've broadcast from there. I'm a regular visitor and you know my kids absolutely adore it. And what I find really wonderful about it is I always seem to get something different from it every time I come. And same with my kids. You know, they've been going since they were tiny. And whether it is being in that environment, you know, with that giant tree in the middle and, you know, birds flying or, you know, we spotted the giant bats there the other day or there, you know, when they started learning to read, you know, connecting with some of the information around and interacting with your staff who I think are just doing an absolutely incredible job. And it's lovely that you are continuing to expand and educate. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit more about Lime? She's just curled up on you like a like a baby. Her is she is she asleep? She is asleep or almost asleep. Yes, she's kind of sleeping on the job here as an RJ in the studio. <laughs> I, I don't know if you'd want to hire her full time or not. To oh, speak. I don't know. It's looking pretty appealing to be honest. Oh no, she's the eyes are open. There what, we go. She's what, like, I'm with you. What I'm kind here. of preferences has she exhibited when it comes to food? Um, what are some of her favorites? So Little Lime likes her sweet potato a lot, but she likes it mildly steamed. She also <laughs> so likes what a diva. She likes her eggs hard boiled. And she likes her leafy greens as well, but when they're fresh, fresh off the tree, fresh off the vine, that would be her favorite. Now, for anyone who is desperate to come along and interact with this gorgeous family and the new additions as well, tell us a little bit more about the Sloth Encounter, Sarah, how they work, who they're for, and ultimately, you know, what visitors can experience. Absolutely. So Green Planet is the only place in Dubai where you can come for do a Sloth Encounter or meet these guys up close. Our Sloth Encounters are 30 minutes long. Um, it's a select group of people, so you book ahead of time because it's maximum 10 people per interaction. And throughout the sloth encounter, you're with one of our experienced biologists and, of course, one of our members of the sloth family, where you get to touch them, feed them, of course, snap a few photos with them, and most importantly, learn all about them and what we can be doing to help protect their environment in the wild for sloths throughout the tropical rainforest of South America. I've had a question here from um, Annie saying, how did she arrive at the studio? <laughs> Great <laughs> question. Great question. Tell yeah. us more. She came in our car. She came and transported <gasps> here. Can you imagine? You're driving down Shakeside Road, a little bit of congestion, you look over. There's Great a sloth. Great with a sloth. Yeah, so she's very comfortable in her sloth carrying crate or her transport container. That way she can comfortably go get checked out of the vet's office if we need to or be weighed or anything needed as part of her voluntary training so we can take care of her with her help. Well, that's a good point, actually. We do have Dr. Peter joining us after four o'clock. I don't think he was expecting to see a sloth when he went into the green <laughs> room today. But in terms of having specialist animal care, how do you support the animals at Green Planet, making sure that they get, as you mentioned there, the checkups, the weigh-ins, the medications that they need? So all of our animals are very specialized. So even a sloth, for example, they have a very slow digestive system and a very particular flora going on in their gut. So it takes very special care, a very um, selective diet, and then veterinary team and biologist team that know what they're doing specifically for her. And a lot of participation from her through operant conditioning training to make sure that she can participate in her own normal, regular weights, mm -hmm. checking out her fecal or poop content, you know, just like we're all not, of our We're children. not afraid of toilet no. chat on this show, I no. can tell you. Now, we are, of course, got pets and vets joining us after four o'clock. So if any questions not sloth related, but cats or dogs related, do get in touch. Um, I wanted to ask you about the future of the sloth family then, because obviously Lime's done so, so well over this last year. Is there a hope that Liam is going to make friends with the new additions? 
Absolutely. So sloths are pregnant for 12 months is their gestation period. And with the successful arrival of baby Lyme, we would be more than happy to expand our family. Breeding animals are happy animals and comfortable, confident animals. So let's see what happens from there. But we might have more sloth gender reveals in our future. Dum, dum, dum. In the meantime, if anyone does want to experience that and see what's happening there at Green Planet, you can head over to the Instagram at the Green Planet Dubai. Those sloth encounters, are they happening on a daily basis almost? Daily basis twice a day yes but they fill up quickly so booking ahead of time online is the best way so that is thegreenplanetdubai.com I am desperate to feed a little bit of sweet potato to sweet little lime over there Sarah thank you so much we've had handler um, and expert Eric with us as well but most of all to the cutest (laughs) co-star I have ever had Lime you're an absolute natural please stay (laughs) a little bit longer This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer with ProPlan it is all about your animals for the next hour. And joining me live in studio is Dr. Vito. He's the owner and clinical director of, rather confusingly, a clinic called Vets and Pets. It's the Dubai Italian Veterinary Clinic. Thank you so much for being here, Vito. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, I would say we are almost next door neighbours. So I saw your clinic yeah. opening and I saw the sign go up and I was like... Well, we're going to have to get him on the show because we practically share a name. So it's great that you're yeah. able to be here. How's yeah. it? How's it going? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. You know, Dubai is fantastic. You know, uh, we opened in uh, March this year and uh, I felt immediately welcome. Now, the area is really, really nice. You've got great neighbours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but when, it's, when you think about starting a clinic, obviously you've got to think about the physical space, but how you guys are doing something somewhat differently is you've got this fear-free philosophy yeah. from the way the clinic is laid out, as I say, to the way that you're working with the patients, but working with Correct. the pet parents as well. For anyone who's Correct. not familiar with this fear-free approach... Can you tell us a little bit more? Uh, well, yes, um, it's a new, uh, it's definitely a new approach in veterinary medicine. Um, I think it's the way uh, to go. You know, everybody, I'm pretty sure sooner or later, they're going to train and to embrace the philosophy. Uh, I started in 2016 in the United States. Um, this doctor, uh, Baker, Marty, um, basically realized that millions of uh, uh, pet, uh, pet parents were actually avoiding, you know, going to the veterinary practices because of, uh, you know, the stress uh, for their pets. And you I know. think a lot of people have been there of, we get a lot of messages saying, you know, my cat hates being in the carrier or my dog is a terrible traveller. Yeah. And it's really heartbreaking to think that those anxieties and stresses and behaviours become a barrier to them getting the medical care that they need. Correct. And presumably once you have had one of these bad experiences of, you know, just... I mean, I, I hate. You know, I used to hate driving in the car with my kids crying in the in the car seat. Yeah. Never mind a howling dog. <laughs> that presumably raises your own anxiety as Correct. a human, which the animal must pick up on. Absolutely, absolutely, and therefore, you know, it's uh, it feeds each other. Mm-hmm. It's like a like, vicious circle. You so, know? what are some of the ways that you're doing things differently, both in terms of the practical and the emotional? Well, uh, obviously. Uh, we start obviously with the training, you know, uh, the, the team has to be trained um, and uh, the education, you know, for the for the clients um, is a new uh, is a new approach. So sometimes uh, some clients are a little bit hold on, you know, why I have to I have to come back. Sometimes I say, well, your dog is very stressed, you know, so we need to even sometimes, you know, pre-visit medication. And, you know, always Dubai, you know. And, oh, no, 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 it's yeah. busy here, there, you know. But then when they actually see uh, the effect, the outcome on the next visit is something that, you know, is mind-blowing. And they say, oh, fantastic, you know. And, uh, is, is there anything, Vija, that we would recognize walking into the clinic? Anything that we might experience or see or smell yeah. or touch differently? Yeah, ex- ah, yeah, then the point. Okay, so, yeah, uh, definitely uh, large spaces. You know, it's important that uh, uh, when you enter in a clinic, uh, um, obviously it has to be clean, but uh, uh, it has to be wide, wide corridors, not much os- obstacles, uh, Talking about dogs, um, so open spaces and also consultation. Consultation has to be quite quite big, you know. Mm-hmm. So in order to avoid, um, you know, this um, um, feeling of enclosure, yeah, and feeling intimidated. Tip, exactly. Uh, so this is definitely for dogs. Uh, cats, uh, obviously, they car- they come in their carrier, uh, but also for cats, it's very important that uh, the place is quiet. Uh, um, there is a good smell. When you speak of smell, it's not like a nice perfume or something like a spy type of things. But we use pheromones. 
pheromones. So pheromones are um, there are some scents that they, uh, dogs and cats can pick up, and therefore they can uh, they realize that, that the environment is friendly, so mm-hmm. they can relax and so on. Uh, for cats, obviously. Quiet environment is important. And sometimes we put like some white noise. We use some music, you know, in order to uh, to chill them. So it's uh, there are small things that they, they do massive, massive uh, uh, difference, in incredible improvement. I think it's just really interesting that you've obviously chosen this approach. You know, it's it's not necessarily making your lives easier at every turn, but presumably through the behaviour of the animal, that be- creates a much less stressful environment for, for you as a practitioner as well. Yeah, exactly. So at the beginning you know you feel like okay there is a lot of work behind uh, um, you know in the layout of the practice and training takes longer we have a long consultations you know time you know we're like minimum 20 minutes so we're not like uh, fast 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 you know obviously we work around them and not them around us Mm -hmm. Uh, but then obviously uh, uh, cats are more relaxed so I can examine them better dogs they don't try to bite me mm-hmm. you know? it's always <laughs> no, a nice so, day yeah it's yeah, really nice you know you know you don't want to go to work and say you know what you yeah. know, I want uh, to there, was, there, there was bloodshed yeah exactly um, and exactly. Vito what about things that pet parents could be doing um at home or in the run-up to a, a veterinary appointment to put themselves at ease to put their animal at ease and make it less stressful overall yeah okay so definitely uh prepare prepares you know take time you don't want to rush Okay, that is very important. Um, obviously, um, at home, for instance, for cats, you know, there's classic things. Somebody's listening now, they have a cat, you know, that as soon as you get out to uh, pick up the crate, your cat disappears, right? Because yeah. they know, oh my God, the crate, the crate, the vet, the vet, the job, and so on. Right? So uh, it's important that the cat has a uh, different relation with the crate, okay? So try to use the crate in, uh, in an environment in your house uh, where the cat can hide. They can find also almost like a safe, uh, safe space to stay, you know? to hide and to relax mm-hmm. so eventually it's not going to be so traumatic already the, the crate and then eventually you can actually use some pheromones uh, there is a uh, uh, pheromones very very famous on uh, the market is called Feliway you can use to uh, wipe the inner part of the of the crate and the pheromones as I mentioned before there are some scents they can you know relax the cat uh, and um, and obviously uh, a cover, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a blanket, the cat likes. You can cover the crate with it, you know. This is for the cats. For the dogs, uh, um, it's uh, obviously the, the uh, most of the clients when they come and visit me say like, "Oh my God, I was so happy because he thought he thought it was going. We were going to the park." And then <laughs> <laughs> and Pratt, then I yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, what we actually uh, suggest if a dog is very anxious, it's also something called happy visit. Uh, sometimes I say to the clients, "Hey, please uh, pop in. You get a oh. treat, and you go." You know. So it's not so about it's, so it's about adjusting those associations. Exactly, exactly. It's a bit like kids in the dentist. Exactly. Because first well, time shouldn't be going in for anything traumatic. It should just be going hop in the chair, watch a cartoon, yeah. get a sticker. Exactly, you nailed it. Honestly, <laughs> I, if I had to describe myself, uh, I'm a you know I'm a pediatrician, right? They mm-hmm. don't talk with mm-hmm. your babies, so I deal with mummy and daddies, you know. So it's absolutely the same. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer with ProPlan, groundbreaking science, life-changing nutrition. It is Dr. Vito who's in the hot seat today. He's the owner and clinical director of Vets and Pets. It's there on our Wassel Road in Jumeirah 3. Vito, your, your dedicated team is tuning in, cheering Sorry. you on. <laughs> so it's great to hear there's such a good atmosphere there at the clinic. Um, yeah, to good. the text line, a message here saying, my Bengal cat eats rubber items and my plants. Mm-hmm. I was told he's either depressed or lacking some nutrients. The vet says he's healthy. What can I do about this? My other cat doesn't do it. Well, this is quite... Um it's quite common. Some uh, some of the cats are quite attracted by objects, uh, especially rubber. Um, there is something in the in some rubbers, like um, you know the sole of the flip flops mm-hmm. or uh, um, uh, Nerf guns, you know, that attract them. And uh, I removed many. <laughs> so those it, objects so from uh, stomachs. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So it's uh, obviously it goes without saying. Try to minimize the contact. Uh, you know, the, the contact with uh, with this uh, product. And presumably some plants as well, which yeah, could be really, exactly, really exactly. toxic. Yeah, there are a few plants. So it's, it's very famous calla lily mm-hmm. um, that is quite toxic. Uh, so try to put in 
plants uh, high up, although obviously cats are cats, so they're, you know, natural athletes, but, you know, obviously try to catify your uh, your house, uh, you know. <laughs> what, what could it be an indication of? Could it be a medical issue or is it purely behavioural? Uh, well, some cats, they definitely, I think it's mainly uh, behaviour, it's called a pica, picachism. You Which know. people get in pregnancy where they want to eat yeah, things exactly. like chalk and exactly. coal. Exactly. I've got one at home, you know, uh, uh, not pregnant lady. Okay. Also a pregnant lady. <laughs> My wife is pregnant, actually. <laughs> but I got one cat that is obsessed with uh, plastic, literally obsessed with pl- plastic. Anything, you know, like uh, uh, wrap uh, or, um, you know. Cellophane. Yeah, cellophane is there, you know. So we are really, really careful, you know, in, uh, leaving the things around. So kind of decluttering as much as possible yeah. and checking that those plants aren't poisonous. Correct. I hope that helps. How do you feel about bunnies? We've got one here saying, I've had a little bunny for a few months now, um, four months old, but finding it very hard to train her. Any tips? Is it too late to get another bunny? So she's got some company. No, uh, that is good. You know, I like bunnies. You know, I, when I used to live in the, in the UK, probably 30% of my clients were bunnies. So oh. nice, it's nice to see that uh, in the uh, now I've got more and more, you know, uh, bunny patients. Can you, know, you train you know. a bunny? And if so, yeah, to do that's what? good. That's good. Not they actually they can use uh, they can use a litter tray. You know, um, now it's important. Bunnies are incredibly clever. They're super, very nice pets. Um, for instance, uh, um, you in order to train a bunny how to use the the, the litter, you know, the the tray, the mm-hmm. litter tray. Uh, make sure that uh, there is uh, some hay there. You know, but uh, obviously we know bunny eats mainly hay. Actually, the diet for a bunny should be eighty percent up to nine percent hay. The rest pellets. Um, so make sure that that the, the hay is uh, that eatable hay is uh, is placed higher up, okay, or hanging, mm-hmm. or on some shelves. So the bunny will uh, prefer eventually to do the business there, okay. In order to train a bunny, make sure that uh, uh, it is for the first period he uh, is confined in an area where he can actually soil mm-hmm. okay and then you can expand the area leaving the the you know the hay the hay in just some uh, restricted uh, place so it will get used that it, it become, it, it's very they're very clever they pick up very very fast and in terms of having a little friend are they quite social creatures uh, yes uh, uh, but obviously make sure that they are uh, um, uh, different uh, sex sometimes because uh, two male bunny they can become quite vicious uh, once uh, they reach uh, the maturity and make sure you're dealing with um dealing with your bunnies or you could have more bunnies exactly exactly <laughs> at the, exactly, at the, exactly at the right age yeah, there you yeah go. you've got a bunny yeah. specialist here with dr yeah. vito yeah. so <laughs> i'm very happy to connect you off air um let's go to cats carrie's been in touch so my cat hasn't pooed yesterday or so far today um oh sorry it's a female cat thinks she's struggling to urinate okay um should i be worried does it need a trip to the vet uh well i should definitely uh, if you are worried just oh. call the vet obviously um Struggling to um, to poop or to pee, um, you know, sometimes they can get constipated, absolutely, you know, if they are um, old or dehydrated. Uh, but most of the time when they, they go in and out of the uh, litter tray is a sign, possible sign of cystitis, mm-hmm. okay? It's a girl um, and uh, girls normally tend to, uh, you're more prone than boys to get uh, to get cystitis. So yes, definitely would be nice to eventually to see her um, urinalysis. There is some blood or something, some anti-inflammatory drug and see how it go, she goes, you know. But uh, definitely I would go for a... For a I think it, sometimes it is just that peace of mind, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And it's better, you know, prevention, 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 guys, honestly. Well said, indeed. You're listening to Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan where the number one ingredient is always high-quality salmon, lamb, turkey and chicken. So he has been in touch saying, Hey, Helen, me and my daughter are listening to Pets and Vets every Wednesday. She loves the show. If you could give a shout-out... Oh, a cat is called Sakura, born in the house. And my daughter's very attached to him. Sahail, your daughter... And yes, Sakura as well. Shout out on the radio. We've got Dr. Vito with us today. He's the owner and clinical director of Vets and Pets. It's the Dubai Italian Veterinary Clinic on our Wassel Road there in Jumeirah 3. On hand to take my questions, but honestly, most importantly, yours. We've got a question here, no name on this one, Vito, saying what to do with a vocal cat. We have two cats and both are very vocal. What might be some of the underlying reasons why a cat might have a bit of a, a sing-song or express yeah. themselves in uh, that way? Well, uh, vocal cats, yeah, very nice. I should 
probably should record them, right? You know, <laughs> now, I, I, am, I am a dog owner. Can right. you give us a little demonstration of what a vocal cat might sound like? Okay, it's classic. Wow. Oh, especially yeah, especially ongoing. Night. Yeah, ongoing. Yeah, yeah especially that. Obviously, it depends. Uh, cats can be vocal for a different reason. Uh, when a cat vocalizes, is uh, um, expressing, obviously, himself. Um, so he wants to communicate, um, communicate something. It can be you know, frustration, you know, um, change of something, especially at night, um, a boredom, what we said, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if um, it's classic uh, female, uns- um, in- entire female, they can actually be quite loud, you know, when they get into season. So, so it can so, be hormonal as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Are there uh, certain um, cat breeds that are... More Siamese, local? Siamese, yeah, yeah, absolutely, no, 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 you know, no doubt, Siamese. So this is interesting. So we haven't got any more information than that, but it, I guess as a pet owner, you can start to look for, for clues and patterns in their behaviour yeah, in terms yeah. of when is this happening? Is it around? Correct. You mentioned that you know hormones or boredom, yeah. frustration, yeah, or just a need to connect with yeah, their own. Yeah, yeah. For instance, one of my cats, uh, um, yeah, if he wants to play with me, I start playing, you know, in the evening and if, as soon as I stop and I go to bed, I can hear him, you know, c- c- kind of complaining in the living room like <laughs> that. I uh, can't believe you've so, left me on my yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would, would I suggest definitely try to um, create more uh, environmental enrichment for your cats, more toys, uh, um, you know, catify your room, your house, mm-hmm. you know, how do you catify your house? Um, sometimes, uh, you know, cats love, uh, they, they are incredibly, um, uh, they love routines, okay? So, and they uh, they have um, they have a need of uh, four uh, different spaces in your, inside of your house. It can be a mansion, can be, a, a, you know, a studio, but you have to try to create this for your house, for your cat. So, uh, one area where obviously it's dedicated to, you know, uh, the needs, toilet. Okay, Toileting. Exactly. We, we don't shy away Away from the word yeah, toileting okay, on toilet, the show. Yeah, there you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a there is another area where obviously they they eat, they drink. I prefer water and food not uh, next to each other. Okay, there is another t- uh, place where obviously they can sleep, they can feel safe, and another place where they can play. So actually four. Different areas. So okay. designated zones for yes. different activities and places. Yes. Yes. Okay. Really hope that helps. And please let us know if you've got any more information on why and when your cat is being so vocal. Um, a question here from from Jana saying, I think there'll be a range of opinions on this, but I'm curious to understand what the vet thinks. How long could and should you leave your dog alone? We've got an 18-month-old cocker who's actually very good at being left for short periods. She just settles and snoozes. My husband thinks I'm being oversensitive and thinks she'd be fine left for six hours plus as long as she's walked halfway through. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, six hours is um, you know reasonable. I have to be honest with you. Obviously, as long as uh, uh, you know we we maintain the toilet break mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and obviously water and yeah, of course, of course. Y- you were talking there about kind of mental stimulation for cats. Is there anything you'd recommend leaving for? I mean, eighteen months, you could be getting into some some teenage behaviours if they yeah. are not are not stimulated. What could yeah. be useful in terms of toys and well, tricks and things? Um, one famous uh, uh, toy is called uh, Kong, and there is like a, a chewy chewy toy where you can actually fill with some, you know, uh, peanut butter or something. They can spend, you know, literally hour in chewing and try to get uh, things there's, out there's of different, it. Yeah, some know? of them are like a puzzle where they've got to turn yeah. it and the, the kibble comes out. Yeah, and, correct, correct. Okay. We use a snuffle mat quite a lot. I've said on the that show is, before. Yeah, that is our, very nice. One of our that dogs very nice. hates our gardener with an axe. She, she hates him. And the only way we've got her to stop we like really going for blood is to, to put some kibble kind of in a snuffle mat and yeah. just distract it I from use, that. I use it in uh, consultation. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I spray with pheromones so they can get in contact. They can find, try to find, you know, the treat hiding in it and they get in contact with the pheromones and they can calm down. There you go. Yeah. Top tricks. Dr. Vito with us. The question here from Jam saying, my kitten has been booked to, ca- to be castrated. He's not six months old yet. I'm not totally against it. I just feel like he might be too young. Um, is he fully developed? Uh, well, um, six months. Six between five and six months, I think is a you know right age. Uh, obviously, it's up to the to the vet to assess your kitten. Um, for me, I always look at at least has to be two kilograms. 
at least, you know, a safety reason for general anesthetic. And obviously, uh, anatomically, everything should be there under the tail. You know, we should check. You under know. the tail. <laughs> quick, quick lift of the tail. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, yes, um, between five and six. The thing is, <clears throat> some cats can be a little bit more, um, you know, f- uh, they can reach maturity a little bit faster. And um, if they reach uh, the sexual maturity, uh, being a male, uh, how they express themselves, they normally try to mark the territory. So they, they might get into that classic habit of spraying around your flat and it's not pleasant. Not pleasant. So, you know, as long as uh, everything is safe and the vet is happy, you know, definitely just go for it. Thank you so much for your time today. It's no been, it's been a real a real pleasure. Before I let you go... Um, do you want to share anything about your pets? What do you have? You mentioned cats there. What are their names I and what are their two, personalities I got like? Two fluffy things at home. You know, I rescued both uh, from Qatar, and uh, one is uh, Theodore. Great. Is uh, a thirteen-year-old. <gasps> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. senior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one, the youngest, is ten. Is a Dominic. A Dominic is the one obsessed with plastic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's you been know. really lovely to no. to hear about the Thank fear-free. You. Thank attitude you. and environment you've created yeah. there at Vets yeah. and Pets. Yeah. And for anyone that wants to get in contact with you, as I said, it's on our Wassel Road, yeah. but there's the website there as well. Dr. Vito, it's been an Brilliant. absolute pleasure. Thank you Thank so, you, so it's my pleasure. much. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.